It's the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. Just had a wonderful summer. Spent a couple of trips to Detroit. Uh, working on my, continuing our Say Nice Things About Detroit movement that we started in 1979 and just been just so gratifying. And But also getting a chance at some different sporting events. Of course, Detroit Tigers and... and um, this last month uh, in August was the U.S. Amateur, the United States Golf Association U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills Country Club, just outside of Detroit. And um, gosh, I got a lot of interviews, a lot of videos, and I always have so much trying to sort it out and turn it into a show. So what I'm going to run today is kind of a uh, Emily's Day at the U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills outside of Detroit. We're going to kick it off with uh, some longtime friends of mine who are the publishers of Michigan Runner, Michigan Golfers. So it sounds like we're talking golf, but we're or running out at Oakland Hills. But it all is uh, weaves together, and that's what I love about my my life. I grew up loving sports, and to continue to love and engage in sports and talk about it and include people that I've interacted with over the years is a whole lot of fun. It's the Emily T. Gale Show at ESPNHawaii.com. I'm out at um, the U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills and Bloomfield Hills, just outside of my hometown of Detroit, so I always love coming here. I was here back in 2008 for the PGA Championship, and I've been here many times since, and uh, just love coming back to my hometown but what's nice about getting out here to oakland hills is i see a lot of the my friends in the media uh like art mccafferty legendary legendary the legendary art mccafferty great great lakes publishing from the michigan runner who are just they were the heartbeat of supporting our emily detroit runs jenny mccafferty and carter sherline who ran in our races art and carter both ran in our our races yeah so (laughs) just give us say something nice about the emily detroit runs oh (laughs) it was my first run race and there was i don't think i've ever seen that many i've never been in a group of that many people doing the same thing at one time took me 10 minutes to get to the starting line and uh it didn't matter because i was just having too much fun (laughs) they were just you were familiar with detroit but do you remember it being a a race that was showcasing the streets of detroit it was the first race ever put on in the streets of detroit the whole idea was to get people from the suburbs to come down and not be afraid and and people who hadn't really been spending a lot of time in all the different areas of the city Yeah. yeah i mean having grown up in detroit and then moving like going halfway through middle school so i was always downtown anyway my family had business and parking business which um I ran into your sister. I ran into you. As I, we, we talked, I ran into your sister, not knowing it was her, and we figured out we were mutual had friends. Mutual, yeah, we had friends. <laughs> we were connected through businesses in the uh-huh. city, and but uh, um, so you know, I just you know knew all the areas we were running through anyway, and it, uh, so I kind of had a little different perspective than a lot of the suburbanites did. To so me, tell me this: after the race, did you stick around and dance well into the oh, afternoon? Oh yes, it was, yes. It was the, you know thousands of people dancing together in the streets of Detroit was a, a pretty novel thing in those days. It still is. Yeah, I'm I don't sure think they do it much anymore. No, nah, I'm sure I'm one, I was one of the last people to leave. <laughs> and so. Art, yes, uh, Great Lakes uh, Publishing. You started Michigan Runner. You know, it started out as just a, a couple page. Uh, Tab, uh, you know, like a newsletter almost. Right, Thirty-seven years we've been publishing. Yeah, and but you were the ones that really put us on well, the map. Well, it was at that time. You know, we everything was pretty much running was was there was a lot of rules in running, and, and you know, you would never take a drink along the way. Uh, I mean, just a lot of kind of specialty. But when you had your race, everybody came. It was like 
if whether you ran, walked, hobbles, went, you know, had a walker in it. We were the first to have wheelchair so it was <clears throat> it was a great party. And I remember when Tom Monahan, um, then the owner of the Tigers, um, land down with his chopper. Didn't he come down yeah. with his, heli- his yeah, chopper? Yeah, land on the roof. <laughs> and he was he was a runner. You know, he yeah. used to run in Ann Arbor. He used to yep. say sinking time in the morning. He would run about three or four o'clock in the morning as he was building the Domino's Empire. And so he was very attuned to running and enjoyed that very much. And uh, but really, I never. I think it was in Toronto one time. And I think a skywriter came on and said, "Say nice things about Detroit." When I was in Toronto one we, time, we have banner campaign <coughs> across the country. To, yeah, to I said, "What is this all to, about?" You know, like, uh, high, high Detroiters enjoy Florida. Say nice things about Detroit, Emily. Yes, you know, yes. Things so like that. But we, we knew enough about the media that we could get UPI to take a picture. And oh get it out across yes, the it was massive. I was so proud in Toronto when I saw. My God, this is just big time. So we were certainly sorry when you left Michigan to go to uh, Hawaii. But then again, you got you were a star in the triathlon. It was a very new sport then. And the fact that you and Herb were in that was amazing because there, there wasn't that many people involved. And you were one of the first women, well, the I think. the ABC Wide World of Sports. Yeah, yes. 20, 20 women in it that Yes, year. yes. Yeah. All good looking, too. Yeah. They're all good looking. You know what I mean? I'm telling you. And then suddenly you became kind of this voice in Hawaii about, uh, um, and the, you became the Iron Triathlon person there, it's kind of race director. So uh, we're glad to have you back always in Detroit. It's a thr- thrill seeing you today and, uh, and the golf, because a lot of people don't realize you were a, a pretty serious golfer at one time. I in fact, you were up, on the Futures I, Tour. I tried, I tried for the LPGA uh, three times. I tried to qualify. Of course, I n- always knew that I wasn't good enough, but, you know, you have to get it out of your system and do it. Yes. And uh, I still, you know, I hit balls. And you were still, always too long off the tee, as I, I recall it. Right there? And Jimmy, <laughs> since you and our got together, how many years ago was that? Oh, more than 20 now. Okay, well, what a, yeah. what a wonderful team I looked you out. have been I together. I lucked out, yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah, I never have a boring day. Well, there was one. There was one. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was 19 years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's when I was on vacation and you were somewhere else. <laughs> oh, I love it. And were you a golfer, a runner, or do you know, was, is, is this all, was it new for you when you got involved with? No, I did some running and some golfing before I met uh-huh. him. I've done less since then, but, okay. <laughs> but uh, you guys, the, the Great amount. Wall of China. She ran the Great Wall Did of China you? marathon. Yes, yes. right. Yes. Okay, so I guess I have read about you doing your your marathons <laughs> and stuff. Now that I think about it, and yeah. as it's all evolved, I mean, when you look back and see how much you've covered over the years, uh, Great Lakes uh, Publishing, both in running and golf, there isn't anybody I think that has given back to the, both of those sports as much as you two have. Well, we've covered we've covered a lot of. Um, 18 greens and a lot of finish lines. So that's, In fact, that's, uh, Gary Morgan, one of our reporters, is reporting back from the uh, Rio Games. Oh, wow. That's he great. was at Sochi Games. He was at London Games. He was at the Beijing Games. So he's, you know, we have this guy that's we call Mr. Ubiquitous because he is, he is everywhere. <laughs> he's everywhere also. <laughs> so right? he's now, as we speak, he was at a, we were at a race that he was a race director at and, and Monday, and Monday night in Ann Arbor. Which was a great run. Remind me a lot of the runs you used to have. You'd run 5K and then go out and have some beer. So that's what. That's I, I think we changed the culture in many ways. Yes, uh, it's the Emily T. Yes. Gale show here on ESPNHawaii.com. You can get the uh, free podcast on iTunes and also at Emily T. Gale uh, Facebook. And it's always a pleasure to be able to personally thank people that had so much to do with what we thought at the time was great success. When we, it was success in terms of what we accomplished. Like a lot of us that do things out of our own pocket, we never made money on it. 
But but you know what? I was the first thousand air in Michigan. <laughs> first thousand air, yes. Thousand air, I like that. But you know what? When we stop and look at what we've what we've contributed, it's a pretty nice legacy, yeah, and I think yes. we all have done that, and yeah. we can feel pretty proud of that. We can. All right, thanks. All right, nice to see all of you. That's uh, Art McCafferty, Jenny McCafferty, and Charter Charter Carter. Sherline from Great Lakes Publishing, Michigan golfer and Michigan runner, both online. Also, you were the first to start doing online TV. We have for been, these we sports. have just put up almost six thousand videos online since two thousand one. It's been more than a video a day, you and you ahead of your time. you will be in our, our next star, next YouTube star. I can see it now. <coughs> it's going viral, going big time. All right, so. I will. I will put it out there for people to take a look, and I appreciate the way you've been staying in touch with me over the last month to make sure we would meet out here at the the U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills. What a wonderful venue! We're also proud of Oakland Hills over the years. They had the Ryder Cup we back are. in what 2004, I think. The Ryder Cup was Ryder here, Cup. and in 2008, the PGA the, Championship. 2002 was the U.S. Amateur here again before. Well, that was when Ricky yeah. Barnes. Because yeah, uh, Jenny, yeah. I have on a jam shirt today, uh, and and Jenny said, "Gosh." Nobody ever, they never see those, but Ricky Barnes wore an Aloha shirt when he won yeah. the he U.S. Amateur. Yeah. He did, that, that yeah. Was a nice touch. And, so, it, and, and it's part of their museum now. I see. The, the, what, isn't it wonderful to walk yes. in here to Oakland yes. and see all the yes. pictures? So, uh, it's the Emily T. Gale show here on ESPNHawaii.com. We're and we never going to sign off on this And we one, all Emily. say Aloha. Aloha. It's the Emily T. Gale show, ESPNHawaii.com. And I'm at the, the scoreboard, the wonderful, beautiful, informative, classic old time scoreboard at the 100. 16th U.S. Amateur Championship at Oakland Hills, just outside uh, Detroit, Bloomfield Hills, Detroit, my hometown. And boy, what a beautiful scoreboard they have. You know, in the old days, this is where everybody hovered. This was the heartbeat of every golf tournament, was the, the scoreboard where someone was manually putting the scores up. And they have done a beautiful job of it here. And fortunately, of course, Oakland Hills, they've had so many events here. They had the Ryder Cup in 2004. They had the PGA Championship in 2008, and uh, that was the year that I was able to come and watch uh, Parker McLaughlin play here at Oakland Hills. He had just won the Reno Tahoe, and he the very next day he came to Detroit because by winning that tournament, he ended up getting a spot in the PGA Championship, so he played in it. And, it's just really classy to see what they've what they've done. It, it's I'm kind of a traditionalist when it comes to golf, and I love our scoreboards at the Mitsubishi Electric Championship. Those electronic scoreboards. But what I love about the boards here is that they uh, people can hang around them and see what's going on. They had 312 players, wasn't Mark? At the 312. They just kicked off with 312, so you can imagine having to put those scores out hole by hole for for the players all day long and it's it's fun to be able to see that as you if you look at it but 312 players from all over the world and um, just the things they they do here that at Oakland Hills and with the USG is pretty phenomenal to see what they do so I was just chatting here Show ESPNHawaii.com chatting with Mark Posey, Passy, Passy, yeah. and uh, he does the, this scoreboard. Here the 116th U.S. Amateur Championship, as I mentioned, started out with 312 players, posting those scores day by day. I was watching him the other day, and 
because people want to see those scores right away. <laughs> and what a beautiful job, and it's nice that, that, that they're still up. Can you talk a little bit about your, your years with this, doing the scoreboards for the USGA? Uh, well, I started doing USGA scoreboards in 1990. This is the 27th consecutive U.S. Amateur scoreboard I've done. done used to do the U.S. Open and all of our championships, but now it's the only scoreboard I still do. We still do a handwritten calligraphy scoreboard at all of our amateur championships, but we don't do one of these at the U.S. Opens. Men's weapons we see doing anymore. But uh, it's, uh, we think it's an important part of our amateur championships, so we continue to do it. The U.S. Amateur Board is the toughest because of the size of the field and posting hole by hole. Uh, we force half the fields on one golf course and half on the other and split tees. So starting Monday morning at 9.30, I'm going to get 12 scorecards every 10 minutes from 9.30 in the morning till dark and try to get them up, check the math, get them in the right color, start them on the right tee, get all the names on the summary. So it's pretty much as fast as I can go for a couple of days. And then we get down to match play now where I've got time to chat in between scores. But, but isn't it fun when everybody's hovered around the scoreboard? Oh, I mean, to me, that's I'm such a traditionalist. I just mentioned as you were taking your call there, I'm a traditionalist in golf. And I played in the U.S. Women's uh, Senior Amateur down at the Honors Course a couple of years ago. And uh, and they, they had the you know handwritten scoreboard there. I was only in for a couple of days. But but uh, so, so Mark, uh, if you've been doing it since 1999, you must have been here at Oakland when Ricky Barnes won that. I was. I was, I was here uh, uh, in 2002 for the 2002 Amateur when Ricky Barnes won. I was here for the 96 U.S. Open when Steve Jones won. And I was also here for the 1991 Senior Open when Nicholas won. That was one of the last uh, senior opens now that they did the manual scoreboard? No, we actually it, it, we did the, the manual scoreboards at the opens uh, through, let's see, what year was it? 2009 was the last time we did the, the uh, public scoreboard at the U.S. Open, the senior open, and the women's open. And where is your home? I live in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, Denver suburb. I worked at Welshire Golf Course. That's right down the street from Back me. in the 60s. Yeah. Well, that's uh, right on the corner of Hampton and University. And I live just off of University Boulevard, about 10 miles south of Hampton. And I live right right across the street from Cherry uh, Cherry, Hill. Cherry Hills. Where, yeah, was it Arnold won there? That was it? Arnold Palmer won the 1960 U.S. Open there. Uh, Nicholas won the Senior Open in 93. Uh, we Phil Mickelson won the U.S. Amateur in 1990. And Stephen Fox won the U.S. Amateur in 2012. So we, Cherry Hills won. About 1967, when I was living out there, 68. But yeah. a lot of history out there with golf, of course. And and uh, do you know Dick Mudry? Dick with uh, used to be with Golf Week and did the, all the copy for the Masters Annual and everything. Because Pete knows him. You, yeah, you, I, I, Pete Kowalski. Pete Kowalski. Yeah. I'm sure Pete knows him. Who's uh, your USGA uh, media sure, official? I, I may have crossed paths yeah. with him sometime, but I don't know. And uh, do you enjoy being here at, at, in the Detroit area? Did you get down into downtown Detroit, or are you just so busy you pretty much not, stick? Not a lot of time. Yeah. A lot of time. But, yeah. but yes, I like it a lot. We, in addition to the four championships here, our four championships in uh, uh, Indian, Indian Wood, oh, the uh, Detroit Golf Club. When Roger Chapman won a couple of years ago. Exactly. I was there, yeah. Yeah, and at, uh, the mid-amateur at, uh, at Detroit Golf Club in 92. I worked the senior amateur at Crystal Downs up in uh, uh, near Frankfort, Michigan, and and so I've yeah, 
go to some great places here. This this uh, community support, fan support in golf here is great. Well, people don't realize that even though it's a, it's a short golfing season, there's more golf courses per capita here in Michigan than anywhere else, yeah. and more rounds played. I mean, it's a it's a hotbed of golf, and yeah. I always tell everybody in Hawaii they ought to be marketing more in the yeah. Michigan area. Well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, great golf fans, and great club, and volunteers, and everybody's very supportive. It's, it's nice to be here. I mean, this is the, the cream of the crop. You can't get it much better. And One of the greatest golf facilities in the world. And, and I'm sure the USA would love to come back again. We talked Detroit golf when I was a kid. I played uh, Horton Smith was the uh, the pro there. I always wore tennis shoes, and he would tell me, you got to learn to play wear golf shoes. Of course, I didn't realize that at the time Horton Smith was the first to ever win the Masters, right? And th- But he was just so wonderful and supportive. And then also back in the uh, by 70s, I guess, early 80s, was Mike Suchuk. He was a friend. And then he went down to... Uh, down, of course, down in uh, Florida. Can't remember, just drawing a blank on what the course is. But uh, people used to come off the, the tour, and, and a lot of them, while they were on the tour, they would have club club pro jobs well, in those days. Very common back, uh, uh, you know, maybe prior to 1970 or so. Very common for the, even the leading tour professionals to have a club job and have, have an affiliation with the golf club. Uh, the seasons weren't as long. Money wasn't as good. They have to, had to make a living somehow. So yeah. And you know, I feel so blessed because at the time I didn't really, I wasn't aware of these, you know, the the the, the prestige or the honor of, of knowing these people in such a way, and they were so supportive of my golf as a junior district player in women's district, and you know, being a golfer here that was aspiring to go on the LPGA. And as I've been doing more and more uh, sports shows and everything here on the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com, and learning that, I'm like, wow, I was really blessed to, to know those people, and it's, it's meant a lot to me, and uh, and now I, I can add you to my list of people I've met who has a wonderful history and has contributed a lot to, to what makes everything that the USGA does, and uh, to all of you that aren't members of the USGA, it's really important to support, get a membership, it's, it's $25 a month, or you can get all different... I mean, a year, and you'll get a hat, and you get, you know, it's just a really wonderful organization to support. Gosh, I remember the people when I was growing up were so supportive as volunteers, and every day you see the volunteers out here, and I think they must have had, someone said, 600 or something like that? Really out here, wow, it's amazing. It really is. Great that we're here. Nice to talk to you, Emily. Thank you. Well, thank you. So compare that with uh, the Mitsubishi Electric Championship, our volunteer base for that, you know, which is about three or four hundred and, and the kind of effort they have to put out here for the magnitude of the the uh, 116th U.S. Amateur Championship. Beautiful presentation. I'm looking at all the, the different country flags. How many countries were? 29 countries. 29 countries. 29 countries. Okay. In fact, in the finals is uh, uh, Curtis Luck from Australia. I met his mother yesterday. I was standing next to her at the first tee. I know, but she was taking the picture. And um, uh, Brad Brad, uh, Dulkey, is that how he says it? Dulkey, who is from Oklahoma. So they played a 36-hole final match today. They're on the, about the, well, they're coming up the ninth hole now, which is a real signature hole here at Oakland Hills. I'm going to go watch it. Mark, thank you so much. Appreciate the time. Okay. See Emily T. Gale show here on ESPNHawaii.com. Out at Oakland Hills, Bloomfield Hills, just outside of Detroit, my hometown. It's always great to be here and see so many people that say hello and remember running in the Emily Detroit run or coming into Emily's across the street. 
So I'm going to go up to the 10th hole here where they're going to be teeing off in a moment. It's the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPN, Hawaii.com, and Emily T. Gale Talk Story at Podomatic.com. Uh, we're at the U.S. Amateur, the USGA, U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills and Bloomfield Hills, just outside of Detroit, my hometown. It was a, a wonderful week. Uh, what a beautiful presentation. Of course, Oakland Hills, renowned for the number of major tournaments that they've hosted over the years of recent years, was the Ryder Cup and the PGA Championship. And, and this week it was 116th United States Amateur. And we are about to hear from Brad Dahlke, who was the runner-up, and he is in the media room, going to share some thoughts and being introduced by the USGA official. All right, ladies and gentlemen, well, we're here with our, our U.S. Amateur runner-up, Brad Dahlke. And Brad, I imagine it's not the way you expected or hoped things would turn out today, but you still got to be pretty proud of the way you've comported yourself this week. Yeah, it's been a, it's been an awesome week. Um, you know, it's good to me at the beginning of the week I'd be runner-up and probably take it. But now that I was there, you know, it kind of stings. But, um, yeah, great week. And, you know, hats off to Curtis. He played really well all week. So you were all square going to 18 and were able to quickly grab a lead, but but then I think things went a little off track for you. Tell us, walk us through what happened there early in the uh, the second round. Yeah, I mean, I just I didn't really feel comfortable at the second round. I don't know if it was just a break or what. I just couldn't, just didn't feel comfortable for some reason. And, uh, until finally on about 11 or 12, and finally I kind of got got going a little bit. But I think it's because I was trying to make a comeback, and the crowd was kind of getting, you know, it's kind of getting. You know, getting motiv- motivated from the crowd, and um, yeah, just didn't feel comfortable. It was uh, it wasn't hitting it great. It wasn't couldn't really wasn't putting it well. Uh, and Curtis, I think, went two or three under on that stretch, so that didn't help. Um, but yeah, it was. It, I mean, now it seems like it was a blur. I mean, it, it went right, it went back pretty quick, but um, you know, can't do anything about it now. So he uh, he played well, and you know, I didn't I didn't play as well as I can, but you know, he. Yeah, he deserved it, though. And we're so happy to have you here with us this whole week. We'll open the floor up for questions. Pete here has the microphone. Raise your hand if you would uh, care to start us out. I'll go ahead and, and jump on in again. You've had, again, a lot of family support this week. It's got to help to have them here with you at this time. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun. It's nice to see a lot of family. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate him so much for coming out this week and flying up here and driving up here. Uh it's um, all of them, so. That's pretty clear. We'll start down here with Bradley. Hey, Brad. Uh, Curtis talked a lot about the, you know, winning that uh, 18th hole before the break. Uh, your thoughts on on that, and you know, was that do you, do you, uh, agree with him that that was uh, you know a pretty big big uh, point to get? Um, I really didn't think so. I mean, honestly, it's just a 36 hole match, and that's just one hole. I mean, obviously, it'd be. You know, uh, if I had lost one down or something, it might have been big. But, you know, we just basically what I thought was that we were just playing an 18-hole match, that second 18. And, um, sure, you might have grabbed a little momentum. But, in, you know, with a two-hour break, I think, you, you know, I don't think that really matters much. But, um, but no, you, you know, I think we had a great match that first 18. We both played pretty well. And, uh, you know, he blew me out that second 18. But, you know, I, I really didn't think number 18 in that first round was – Huge for momentum just because we had that long break in between. But um, you know, it's uh, you know, it, I think if I had you know if I won that hole, I mean, you know, my same thing might have happened. I might have lost four and two or whatever, whatever it was, whatever it would have been. So 
You know, I don't think it really mattered. Over here to the right. Uh, Brad, um, so 18 aside, how about number seven on the second 18? You're coming out of the rough. You had a great shot there, two, four, five feet, whatever it was. He comes on top of you with a birdie. And do you consider that a big point in the match? I think that was the turning point. Um, you know, because I guess I was, what, four, four down, I think, at the time. Um, you know, I just hit a couple bad shots that, at that point, and um, that kind of cost me. And I was just kind of waiting for that one spark to happen that could, you know, because four down is attainable. You know, you, you, can, you can come back from four down. Um, but I was just waiting for that spark, and I thought that might be it. Then uh, he made a great putt, and I misread the putt, and all of a sudden I lose the hole, and I'm five down. So um, I think that was a turning point in the match for sure. Back to Brantley. I talked to Grant right after the match, and he said he was proud of the way that you didn't lay down after losing eight straight. To be able to get it to 14, what does that say about you know your fight and and your character? And I guess a second parter, what is this week? Uh, you know, what what does it taught you uh, about yourself as a golfer? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was I was gonna fight regardless. Uh, I didn't care if I was winning by seven or losing by seven, but um. You know, God, God is a plan for me, and, uh, God is a plan for me, and I told him I'll just play my hardest, and whatever happens, happens. I'll play my hardest out there, so. Back here to the right, please. Um, well... I don't know, let's go back to yesterday, last night, I saw Twitter, you got to meet Justin Verlander. Can you tell us how that happened and, and what that experience was like? Yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, Glenn Murray was nice enough to, you know, let us go to the Detroit Tigers game. It was fun, we got to meet, meet a lot of players, and uh, it, was, it was really cool. It was a fun experience, I wish it wouldn't have been rained out, but um, it was awesome. You know, I'm a big baseball fan, so it was a really cool, cool night. Jeff. <laughs> right, we've known Curtis a while. Uh, what's the toughest part of going up against him as a competitor? Um, he's just solid. He makes a lot of a lot of good swings at it. Um, doesn't get really wayward, wayward with the driver. Great short game. He's never out of a never out of a hole. He could be in a trash can, twenty yards from the green, and up and down. But um, yeah, great. He has great hands around the green. Really soft hands. And. Um, so yeah, he's just a solid player. Doesn't help line very much. If he misses a green, he's probably gonna get up and down. So it's definitely good for match play. You can just you know don't make bogeys. You can make pars and you know some birdies here and there. But uh, yeah, he's a he's a great player and um, you know, he's, he's tough to beat. That's for sure. Back to the room. Could you comment, please, on the courses itself here at Oakland Hills, particularly the South Course? I don't know how many other major championship courses you've had a chance to play, but. If you have, how would you compare it in terms of difficulty to others? Yeah, Oakland Hills is awesome. It's um, been a great venue for the whole week. Uh, that probably one of my favorite clubs I've been to, just the course-wise, hospitality-wise. The people here are really awesome, really nice, and um, you know, it's I've I've, got, I've been lucky enough to play a lot of cool courses, and this is definitely ranked up there with them. I mean, this is a championship course that. Uh, is a tough test for any pro golfer, amateur golfer, or anybody. And um, I think I think the people here, though, is what the you know is a big thing about this club. People here are awesome. Um, they were always so kind all week to 
all 312 of us and uh, really make the week great for us. To Ryan. Brad, obviously, I know you're just planning out, but in, in a few days, you know, you'll, you'll realize what you've done this week. What will this do, do you think, for your confidence moving forward? I think it'll do a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm disappointed, but, you know, I'm not, I'm proud of myself. I, uh, I fought hard all week and, um, really, uh, I gave myself opportunities this next year. Um, you know, I'm going to the Masters, U.S. Open. Uh, I mean, can't answer much more than that. And, uh, I'm excited. It gave me a lot, a lot of confidence. Um, you know, I believe in my game. Obviously, today didn't work, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the next year. Next question for Brad. We're going to come up here to the front to Brentley. I think it's, what, six days or seven days until you play your first college event of next season. Just talk about your guys' your, your guys' team and, uh, you know, how excited you are to, you know, get back out there with the boys and play for Coach Hubble. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Um, not, not a bad start to the season to play at Pebble Beach, <laughs> but it's it's – I'm so excited. We, we will have a good team this year, I think. Um, Coach Hibble was able to come out today and uh, root me on. But, um, yeah, we'll have, a, we'll have a great team. A lot of our coaches there. I'm excited to be going you know, going to tournaments again, traveling, rooming with uh, my teammate slash caddy, Grant. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, it'll, be, it'll be so much fun. I'm ready, and uh, I think we can do big things this year. Any further questions for Brad? It's the Emily T. Gale Show, and I am outside the media room in August 2016 with Jody Luck. Her son has just won the United States Amateur, and I met Jody yesterday. We were standing at the first tee when when uh, Curtis was teeing off for his quarterfinal match, so got a chance to uh, get get her to share her feelings before Curtis comes into the media media room and shares his thoughts about being the United States Amateur Championship. Talk a little bit from that quarterfinal match and, and oh. uh, the last 24 hours. Oh, it's it, well, it's just been a blast, hasn't it? It's just so exciting. And uh, yesterday was a very tough day with Nick Carlson, and uh, he was such a quality player. And Curtis really did have to dig deep there and... Um, he did. He did that. He found that sixth gear, and was he one down going into the eighteenth? He, he was. Okay. He was, and it was all square. And um, as I said, he had to dig deep, uh-huh. and he did. He, he was a victor in the end. But uh, it's they've been fantastic games. The 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 day with the thirty six holes. Uh, he played very solid golf, morning round and the afternoon round. I think. Um, Oh, against Cameron Young, he he, played, he was very solid that in that round. And how did he spend his time last night? Well, by the time we got home, because the traffic was a bit late, by the uh-huh. time we got home, and we we just went had a quick meal. Okay. And we got home. He watched. There was a telecast on TV, so he just chilled out, okay. laid down in because we're in a hotel, laid on the bed, watched the golf a little bit, and then it was like, right, it's time to try and get some sleep because because of the of what's been going on, we've sort of been a bit restless yeah. at night, not really sleeping particularly well so we knew we were going to have a big day today so we basically just tried to have a very chilled out very relaxed night not talk about golf just 
Just so relax. Jody Luck, we're talking with you. Her, her son just won the U.S. Amateur, the 116th US, U.S. Amateur. He gets uh, exemption into the uh, Masters, right? That's right. And the U.S. Open next year, too. Absolutely. I think it is. So tell me a little bit about how he started playing golf. But where, where, how did he start? He, well, and her I son is Andrew, er, is uh, Curtis Luck, is, is who, who won. Yes, yeah. he, he um, it was basically his grandmother who loves golf, and she said to Curtis, when he was 10 years old. Why in don't, Australia? In Australia, okay. at her golf club. She said, why don't you come up on a Sunday morning? They had the, the golf pro is up there and he does a junior clinic. You can hit as many balls off the driving range as you like. So why don't you come and give it a go? So he did and he was hooked right from the word go. How old was he? He was 10. Okay. He was 10 did years he take old. to it? He was, oh. I mean, like you say, he loved it, but was he also, did he play well as a junior well, golfer? Well, he, um, he, 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 he did. He was he was a strong junior golfer, but he he was quite late, really, in the uh-huh. scheme of things, I suppose. So sort of just uh, just really very casual at the age of ten. It wasn't until he was uh, twelve years old, thirteen years old. He was he played a lot of other did sports. He maybe this is the game for him. That's what he did. Yeah. He actually played state uh, representative basketball okay. and went away. And when he came back home, he said, "Right, that's it." He said, uh, "The whole time I was away, I really." Realized how much I miss not going and playing golf. Okay. He said, "So I've decided I want to be a professional golfer, and I'm never playing basketball oh, again." Oh, really? So that and, was in, like as a teenager, a young teenager. He 10, was, 12 years he was old, 12, 13 years old when okay. he made that decision, uh-huh. and um, and that's that's been it. He decided that he was never playing basketball again. It was golf. He said, "I want to be a professional, so I can't." give my time to any other sport. I have to practice every day at this, and, and that is exactly what he's done. Now, did he realize uh, Oakland Hills, about the history that's here at Oakland Hills? Was he familiar with how many wonderful major events he have been did. played here, when, the Ryder Cup, the when he When he found out that the U.S. Amateur was here, yes, he did look into all the, the tournaments. He, and, of course, you can look and see the, sure. the greens and the and the clubhouse. And it, For him, it just was like, oh, this is just going to be magnificent. This and the is, presentation, everything about oh, things here, the volunteers, the signage, everything, everything, it really is. They really know how to run a tournament. And I'm sure you've been to a lot of venues and a lot of tournaments, so you have can put it in perspective to oh, just what a wonderful job. Yes, and uh, coming to Michigan, oh, did you know anything about Michigan when you came, I or Detroit? Did you I get into Detroit? I didn't really know much about Detroit. I knew there's a lot of car manufacturing, uh-huh. and uh, oh, look, I, I didn't really know a lot about Detroit. But we have had an absolute blast here. Uh-huh. We, it's, it's been fantastic. The people are so friendly. Uh, it's, yeah. what can I say? It's, so just, it's been an amazing experience. It's the, the United States Amateur, the U.S. Amateur, the USGA, United States Golf Association, U.S. Amateur, the 116th uh, event and uh, at Oakland Hills, just outside of Detroit in Bloomfield Hills. And here he is right here, the champion. Yes, so I'm with his terrible. mom, so we're going to head into the press room it was where like he a baby. can give his interview. <laughs> <laughs> he was just rocking the trophy like a baby. So <laughs> so it's jo- Jody, Jody Luck. Sure. Thank you very much, Jody. I really appreciate you chatting with me. Again, it's the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com, and that was Jody Luck, the mother of the, the winner of the U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills. Our 2016 U.S. Amateur Champion Curtis Luck.
the third Australian player to uh, take home this title, joining Walter Travis and Nick Flanagan. It looks pretty nice sitting here, Curtis. Uh, where are you going to put it when you get home? Uh, in my bedroom, for sure. <laughs> just just somewhere I can lay back and look at it. Um, yeah, I might have some sleepless nights when it comes back. So, yeah, it's amazing. We're getting some good dreams there. Yeah. Well, it's been a whirlwind last hour for you. Has it started to sink in at all? Oh uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely sinking in now. It's um, obviously an amazing feeling <laughs> to be named the US Amateur Championship for 2000, uh, US Amateur Champion for 2016. Um, it's something I've dreamt of since I was about 16. So you were all square going to the second night, but only after you had a great comeback to to square the match on 18 get down, but then you reel off eight straight wins. I think you told Shane Bacon it was, what, salad and turkey that got into you? Yeah, that's what I had for lunch. You know, I, I had a bad first hole on the 19th out there. It was pretty rough. Um, I would have been lucky to make that putt for bogey, but um, my dad, who usually likes being very obvious with his statements out on the golf course, said, okay, now we need to play some good golf. And I turned to him and went, thanks, Dad. You're spot on. And, uh, you know what? I started to play some good golf, so I'll uh, give him the credit for that. So, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> Dad says you're welcome. We'll start off just asking quick about that, that eagle on the second hole, the, the 20th hole. Tell us about what happened on that hole for you. Yeah, I hit, I hit a good drive up there. Perfect position, perfect number into the flag. Um, so there's no excuses for not hitting a good golf shot. And I just hit it, what, 20 feet, 23 feet from the hole, exactly where I would have liked to place it. And I uh, had pretty much a relatively straight part, a little right to left it down the hill and just rolled it down there. Well, we'll open the floor up for any questions. Please raise your hand. We'll start in the back with Barton. Well played. Congratulations. Have you ever been involved in match play in anything like that eight-hole stretch where one person wins eight in a row? Um, you anything like that before? No. Nope. <laughs> I walked up the 10th standing next to Dad, like we were walking, and I was walking, talking to Dad, as we do out there, and, and I just, it just kind of clicked all of a sudden. I thought, hang on, I'm seven up, and I was one down through the first hole of the second 18. And I turned to Dad and I said, I've just won eight holes in a row. And Dad said, yep, you got to win a few more in a row too. And... I actually just, I, I think I started laughing walking down the fairway because, as you said, I, I haven't heard of that and I haven't seen it before. So, um, yeah, what an amazing thing to do whilst you're out in the final of the US Amateur Championship. Yeah. Next question. We're going to go back to Jeff Babineau. How much does experience play a role in that when you have a guy struggling that you really want to jump into the opening and, and keep him down? Yeah, you know, uh, whilst I was out there, just he like made a few errors, and you know, of course, the main thing is not to lose holes. Uh, but if he's not in good position, that's when you start thinking, okay, let's win some holes. And um, I won a few through the early part of that second 18, and and I think on seven, Brad hit this unbelievable shot, like it was ridiculous, out of the rough, how good a shot it was in the circumstance. And it rolled up to about six six feet behind the hole. And I was in the middle of the fairway now thinking, OK, I can't let this great run that I've just had come to an end because it could be a big momentum swing and there's still plenty of golf to be played. Uh, so 
I got up and hit the shot I was planning on hitting. Um, didn't go for any more than I was originally going to go for. And yeah, just I, I hold this 20 footer up the hill, and you know, unfortunately for Brad, he missed it. But um, yeah, the, just that kept, I guess, the roll going, and yeah, I was able to take advantage of a few of his small mistakes. Brian. Given how close everything was in the, in the morning, were you surprised that suddenly you were able to build up that kind of momentum and, and kind of push through and, and obviously uh, pull, pull away this one? Oh, of course. Brad's a great player. I've played with him before, two years ago, and uh, he, he's, yeah, as I said, a great player. So it's so rare to be able to do that, especially in match play, which is, as you know, one hole at a time. You win one, and things can change so quickly. So... Um, yeah, I, I didn't expect it at all. Right behind you, sir, you got the microphone. Uh, Curtis, um, can you kind of put into words what it, what it means? Um, Oakland Wills has produced such great legendary champions over the years, Palmer, Nicholas, Player. And to be on kind of that list of champions now at Oakland Hills, can you explain what that means to you? Ah, so much. I mean, let alone just the U.S. Amateur and... And the events that the USGA run obviously has so many amazing champions. Um, Oakland Hills is known as being one of the toughest major venues there is. Um, and it's one that's stood up to time. To be a champion at such a tremendous golf course and a golf course that I had so much fun playing just, yeah, means the world, you know. I'd love to come back and play at some point in the near future because I, I really do enjoy playing this golf course a lot and I think it's just... Amazing. Brentley? Uh, kind of a two-parter. Do you know uh, Nick Flanagan at all? And I guess the second parter is there's a lot of great Aussie players right now and in the past. Which ones do you, do you look up to and which ones have had a kind of a direct impact on, on your career? Uh, no, I don't know Nick Flanagan. Um, to the second question, you know, people I look up to, it's hard not to go past Jason Day at the moment with the run he's having. I think he's a I mean, he's obviously a tremendous golfer. He's ridiculous. He's won six events and 13 starts towards the end of last year. Um, that's pretty good. That's almost Tiger-esque. Uh, so, yeah, definitely looking up to him. But you've also got guys like Adam Scott, who won twice earlier this year. Um, a good friend of mine, Brett Rumford, someone I always enjoyed chatting to and having a game with. Uh, and for the future, you know, we, we've got some really good golfers coming out. I mean... Minwoo Lee's won the US Junior this year. I'm expecting great things from him. He's yet again another ridiculously good golfer um, with a lot of talent. His sister Minji, I'm waiting for her name to go on a, a major championship um, because, yep, she's obviously done her fair bit of... Uh, well, she's had her fair bit of success as well. Um, but, you know, there's, there's plenty of golfers. Fred, I mean, I'm just naming people from WA. Fred Lee, Oliver Goss, there's... There's a number of them. Um, but then you've got guys like Ryan Ruffles, who's from the East Coast, Brett Coletta, um, Anthony Quayle, Harrison Endicott, <coughs> Cam Davis, the list goes on. I think Australia is producing a lot of high-quality amateurs at the moment, and I'm sure, uh, I guess, in the near future, there's going to be some more Aussies on a trophy like the US Amateur Championship. Right behind Curtis, I think you were four under in that eight-hole stretch on the front nine. What was so different about your game the second time you played that stretch of holes as opposed to the one <coughs> any other part during the week? You know what? Not not a whole lot, to be honest. I actually hit it quite good all day. I think I hit it a little bit closer. 
Um, and I was able to take advantage of when I did. So that's obviously always going to make a pretty big difference. Um, but yeah, I actually hit it best today than I, as I had all week. So I guess good timing. Um, but yeah, I just was able to take advantage of being in good position and yeah, hit the parts and the shots when I needed to. That corner over here. Curtis, can, can you tell us what you hit on seven and what the yardage was? Yeah, so I, I had 140 metres, 154 <coughs> yards into a gale force wind. It got pretty strong there, so I just kind of clubbed right up and just chipped a seven through the wind and skipped one up the green. So. And can you put in perspective, just from the 17th green yesterday, with Nick having a four-footer, to you now being the US Amateur Champion, can you put in perspective just the huge shift from just that moment? Um, yeah, I definitely, for sure, um, that's the best thing about match play, especially when there are these close games. Anything can happen. Um, if you someone had come up to me walking from the 17th tee to the, to the green and said, we think you're going to win, I would have laughed at them um, and said, nice one, mate. So that's, I think, a pretty good answer in the fact that to be sitting here now with the trophy just... It's kind of a surprise to me, really. Um, but I played some good golf, so that's, I guess, what you get. And the uh, fairway bunker shot on 11 yesterday, would you consider that your shot of the week? Yep. Um, that and another. There was actually one in the second round of the stroke play that kind of turned things around. I got off to a really rough start in the bad weather on Tuesday. And I think I was three over through, four over through eight. And I chipped in on nine, which was, that was up there this week. But then on 12, I'd made two good pars. On 12, I hit it in the trap off the tee and had about 235 in. And I hit a hybrid out to about three feet and made eagle. So I would almost go saying that that was the key moment this week for me because that could have potentially made the difference between making the cut and missing the cut and it was one of those shots that just decided and I got on a roll from there and kind of just finished strong and you know what, I might not might not be here, I might not have even made the match play if I hadn't hit that shot so um, yeah, 11 was great but I think 12 earlier in the week probably was a slightly more of importance Can you uh, recall the first time that your dad uh, caddied for you in a tournament and uh also, just talk about what it means to be able to share this trophy now with him as a kind of a direct part of it this week. Yep, I can definitely remember that. So, we were playing a junior event in my home state when I was about 11, 12, and I was actually playing with Minji Lee, and she was already pretty established and pretty good. And I was stunned to be playing, and I just remember Minji holding out in the fourth hole and just. I was jumping around more than she was. Anyway, so first of all, they got lost, my parents, on the way down there. So I rocked up to my tea time very late um, with only like 20 minutes, 25 minutes to spare. Dad felt so bad that he went and bought me some balls um, to use for the day. And <laughs> we went out and the day got called off three, uh, it got called off three or two or three separate times because of bad weather and I had the highest score I think I've ever had to this day. So 
Um, it was a great day. It was sensational. I enjoyed it a lot, and I walked off the golf course in tears. <laughs> so, but you know what? To share this experience with him here this week, uh, I'm thankful that I wasn't able. I was crying on the the last hole today. Um, but I know he was close, and he held it in pretty good. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's just it's just unbelievable sharing it with my family. Okay. Uh, Curtis, just uh, what about the, your impressions of the course itself, maybe, and maybe the most challenging aspects of it? Uh, it's very long for how narrow it is. Uh, you don't get away with hitting average tee shots here. That's the that's probably the biggest thing that stuck in my mind this week was every time I got to the range, the most important thing I think I was thinking of whilst being out there was, okay, let's let's start hitting some drivers and let's hit them good because, yeah, as I said, you don't get away with hitting it poor off the tee here. Um, it's, you know it's penal when you're actually calling it for it to go in bunkers rather than the rough. Um, the bunkers here are really good and the ball sits up quite nicely. There's some deep ones, but the rough's, I think, more penal. Uh, so, yeah, the green complexes are very tough as well. Uh, very slopey, very undulating. If you get on the wrong side of holes, sometimes you can't even two-putt, regardless of how good a shot you hit. So, um, yeah, it's it's a tremendously designed golf course. It's it's an absolute pleasure to play, and, yeah, it, it requires good golf, that's for sure. Second row. Just kind of on that note, Curtis, what was it about the course that suited your game so well this week? I like to be able to shape the ball. And with the tree line being quite limited and wide here, it gave me the opportunity to see shots because sometimes I stand on tee boxes and although I want to hit a shot, there might be a tree in the way. So to be able to stand up on nearly every tee box and, yeah, there's some draw holes where you need to hit draws, but you've still got the option here. You can still hit the fade if you're comfortable or you're feeling better with that way. So um, I think off the tee... It's oh, actually off the tee into the greens. It requires creativity, and and that suits me because I like to use my imagination when playing golf. So, Jeff, you seem very placid out there. You know, don't get rattled too easily. I'm curious if you feel nerves, and if so, did you feel more today or at the WA Open? You're playing in the. Um, you know what? I think I handled myself really well. Um, today and at the WA Open in fact and I think that's why I closed them out quite well I didn't feel a whole lot of nerves yeah when Brad made a couple of pars and I made a couple of mistakes there in that 10th and 11th um, yeah I got a a little bit uh, anxious and probably a little bit angry but you know what at the end of the day I took a deep breath took my time getting to the 12th and was fine by the time I got to the tee box so um I'd say I was about pretty much on a level par. Probably was a little bit more nervous on the tee at the W Open in the final round, holding a three-shot lead, um, having a bad pass with the uh, same event the year before. I kind of didn't finish it off when I was in the lead. So, uh, And also being on the 18 holes. 36 holes is a lot of golf. There's a lot of time to make up mistakes, um, especially in match play. So, yeah, I would say I handled myself really well out there. Any further questions? I think you said on TV that uh, going to hold off plans on potentially turning pro now. 
what are your intentions as an amateur to further your career now? Yeah, so we've still got some big events coming up for the rest of the year, um, like Asian Amateur and, you know, the Eisenhower Cup, which is the World Amateur. So I'm, I'm really excited to be able to say I'm going to play that this year. And um, it's definitely put a halt to what I was thinking most likely what I was going to do was turn pro after Asian Amateur in October. That's kind of where I was at and I'd entered tour schools kind of just thinking, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Knowing that there was a slim chance of something like this happening. Um, I still don't believe it, but it did. So I'm super happy to say that I'm going to be an amateur for another, you know, however long, eight or nine months, get to play some unbelievable golf tournaments within those months and I guess get even more experience for when I do turn pro. Being the third Australian to win this tournament, what sort of pride do you take in that? Uh, it's, it's insane, obviously, being the 116th year this year, there's three Aussies, that's not a whole lot, so I think that's pretty amazing to be one of those three, um, and I only hope that some more Aussies can get their name on the trophy, because it's a great event, great players, and... Yeah, I, I just think that the Australian culture within golf at the moment is sensational and I think that there's no way that there won't be more down the line. Any further questions? Well, what a week you've had. Enjoy it. And I uh, hope you enjoy the next year too. We'll see you next year at Aaron Hills. Thank you very much. Safe travels home. <laughs> this is Curtis Luck's father. Yeah, I think... That was the turning point for me as a caddy. I think the turning point was playing poorly on the, the 19th hole. Um, he's always had the ability, his focus comes in incredibly tight under adversity. And I think we saw that in the play after the match play yesterday. Let me see if he has an iPhone. I think putting himself under pressure early in the back 18 is what made his focus kick in and, and he just didn't hit a bad shot really yeah he said he loves that about match play you lose one hole you put it behind you yeah, a lot of kids don't mm. I mean, it's so, a bit like playing par yeah you know what I mean you can go one down two down three down but you can get those back and, yeah. and that's the same in match play when, when did he kind of make the leap to the next level do you think um hmm, interesting question it's probably fairly recent um this year really um He's was a relatively late starter in terms of golf. I mean, ten years old, um, and you know, in 2014, after the U.S. Junior, he he was still very loose and, and spent a lot of the time in the trees and and uh, you know had a lot of swing issues because he was relatively uncoached at that stage. Um, and I think that was the difference. Was you know his coach Craig Bishop got on. Uh, onto a sort of a longer term program of starting to hit fairways and get more greens and regulations and and um, I think that's really what the um, I think that's really where the changes came in but it takes a long time to get that mm. happening you know and he's a fan of the golf machine I mean oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. where it goes you know? yeah that's interesting for a yeah. guy so young to be into that yeah where, he loves where, it. what yeah. led him into that oh his coach Craig Bishop yeah. so yeah. yeah. Mm. Is that his grandmother here? 
Yes, it is. And yeah, she's yeah, the one Pat. that introduced him to golf. She, she is. She suggested yeah, she's my he mom, should yeah. come out and yeah, play yeah. one day when he was like. That's right, Ted. Yeah, yeah. Took okay. him up to our local golf club. Well, our local private course, which is Cottesloe Golf Club, and um, his cousins were already members there. And so he went up to a Saturday clinic with them and hit balls. And you know, one of the one of the stories I love to tell is, um, you know, he showed real potential early because his ball, his hand eye was so good. And um, the, the head pro there said to him, "This is uh, his head pro's name is Bruce Hay." He said to Curtis, "He said I want you to hit the hundreds, hit the hundred sign or." something like that and I oh, hit the zero in the hundred sign and Curtis's question back to him was which one and, uh, and I think that typifies his golf yeah. mm. what's it been like for you this year you watch him win a pro event at home which had to be incredibly prideful and then to come here and win this so big yeah I mean this is to me a much bigger yeah. achievement for him because you know, you, as we know, there's 7,000 starters or something in this mm-hmm. tournament. You, you start in a field of 312. last two times he's played, it hasn't made the cut. Mm-hmm. You know, in 2014, he was in a 17-man playoff for mm-hmm. four spots. It's a brutal brutal yeah, yeah. Uh, system that, that to get through is just uh, awesome. Even to make the match play, it's just a great achievement. Yeah. But to go on and win it, I mean, I'll be honest... If, if he makes a match play, he's always a strong chance because yeah. he's good at it and yeah. he's known for that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything in particular that makes that a strength for him? Oh, for sure, because he just, his mindset just changes when he, especially when he gets down. You know, like his focus is, is intense and um, he's, seen, he's always been very clutch. So when he gets in the the wrong side of the ledger, look out. Mm. What, are you, what are your memories from that first junior tournament that you caddied for? <laughs> My memories was there was mosquitoes the size of sparrows down there in Mandra, and they kept congregating under our, our umbrella. And it was the, it was he what he didn't mention it was actually the first tournament he'd played, and um, and uh, in those conditions, and it was we were thinking how good he was. And like he had hundreds, and all these other kids beat him. And he got down there, and he had these little PGA Junior clubs. And he got down there, and all these kids are playing against because we didn't know the golf world. They had proper golf clubs, and you know, and things sorted, you know. And 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 I felt like there was he was almost the butt of a joke down there, you know, because he's rocked up with these PGA Junior clubs, you know, and. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that was a steep learning curve. And I remember when G's uh, mother, Clara, looked at, the, looked at the drawer up on the board up there and, I, and didn't know who I was from the bar of soap. I was standing behind her. She said, who is this Curtis Luck? And we're like, why is she drawn with my daughter? Why is he drawn with my daughter? And, and, um, and uh, yeah, she was right. Why was he drawn with her? Because she made eagle on four or whatever he talked about. And, he was nowhere near that level. The uh, the road ahead becomes incredible. It's, it's a good hectic, but it's a lot of stuff. I know you you'll get invite to Bay Hill traditionally invites. You get the Masters, yeah. the US Open. Look, I, I guess I'm not a full bottle on all that, but um, I guess we're going to get slapped around a little bit in the next <laughs> month or two, finding out things like that, and yeah. and, and trying to deal with the. Uh, the financial hardship yeah. that goes with being in an amateur golfer, to be honest. So, oh, sure, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, yeah. How do you do it? I mean, what kind of challenges are it to travel um, the world well, and chase his dream? It's hard because you know he has a sister back home who's 23, and um, 
she probably misses out on some of the benefits that, that he gets. And um, She's a great kid. Um, but I've got good people looking after a business back there and a good friend of mine, Shane, looks after things. And, yeah, it's good. Happy for you. Congrats. What do you shoot at that junior tournament, by the way? I think it was like 116 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it was he's pretty got, hot. He's and I can better. remember I had I had mud stains up to here on my pants that I was wearing that day, and it was just from the rain hitting the ground so high, hard and splashing up like it was foul. Yeah. That wasn't his sport of choice at the time, huh? No, it wasn't. You know, no, 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 it wasn't. Yeah, basketball was, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And I'm, I still coach basketball, and my team's waiting for me to come back. Because when I get back, <laughs> we got our first final to play. So oh, yeah. my daughter's looking after them and her own team at the moment. So. What age group? Yeah, coach? I'm coaching under 16 girls yeah. in our yeah representative sort of basketball. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I sort of swing around from age groups and yeah, do different yeah. things, and so does she. Yeah. She's a great coach. Yeah. Mm. He talked a little bit about it, but when he's in the bunker yesterday, yeah, the, yeah. the other guys two feet from the hole, I mean, what were you thinking then? Did you think it was close uh, to being over? Over the back? No, the, oh, the, the, over the, the match. Over the match. You know what? I didn't. Because um, I know he's a fighter. And I know those presser situations are really what switches him on so um, no you don't if you know him and I think you'll only have to look at Twitter comments tonight from all the people back home in Australia you'll know that he he's seriously dangerous in that situation like seriously dangerous yeah so I mean Nick was a stand up guy yesterday yeah. I mean, uh, he, he, he was a fantastic dude and, and, and you know he did everything that he should have done and uh, yeah he was unlucky not to be in this position today. Yeah. It was a great match. It yeah, a great yeah. Match, yeah. Uh, and a great guy. Yeah. I mean, fantastic yeah. guy. Yeah. He enjoyed playing with you too. Yeah. Can't even know, know you were his dad, so oh. you pulled it off well. Right. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Good stuff. Right. Thanks for your time. Thanks Thank you. So this conversation is with uh, Carter Sherline. We happen to be talking about uh, J.P. McCarthy. J.P. McCarthy was the voice of WJR for so many years back in the, what, 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, into the 90s, and just a, a absolute, made such a, a difference in the city of Detroit and really across the country because he was so innovative in the way that he kept evolving with his TV, his radio show in the mornings on WJR. But he was so synonymous with golf. To me, he's like he put golf on the map in many ways throughout Michigan. But he had the, the police athletic tournament, uh, raised a lot of funds uh, for the police athletic league and brought in, you know, it was an, an event that many of the PGA players would love to come and play in. Those were in the early days of, of charity celebrity events. And JP was a leader in, in that regard. And, and um certainly in, in Michigan. So we were talking about JP and, uh, um, you know, how he would have loved seeing the, the U.S. Amateur at Oakland Hills and talking about it and talking with the guests. And, and Carter Sherline, who's with Great Lakes Sports Publication, Michigan Golfer, uh, was telling me a story about JP. And I just thought it was interesting because I love to tell the backstory about a lot of things. And uh, I go here and there with my conversations. But I, for me, they're, they're, they're very rich. And uh, I love hearing these kind of stories. And the American Chemical Society, their 
top award annually given is the Joseph Priestley Medal. It's named after J.P.'s ancestor. I forget what great, great, great grandfather, you know, how many far. He, um, this, he was mostly active before the American, just before the American Revolution. And so he came from England, moved to the United States. So Carter Sherline with Great Lakes Sports Publication, whose background is in chemistry, just telling me a story about J.P. McCarthy and uh, the, his father? Trivia. His, his grandfather. Well, so far back. This was so pre Pre-Revolutionary War, okay. but who he's named after is Joseph Priestley. That's what the J. Sure, Pre right. is for. Was a chemist, um, one of the first American chemists. He you was know, again before the revolution, and he is uh, credited along with one other person. It's hard to say who made the discovery first with discovering oxygen. You know, figuring out it was a separate chemical, and and the properties of it. So Joseph Priestley, the other guy's name was Lavoisier. J.P. McCarthy, of course, uh, the, the Police Athletic League, the PAL tournament, was raised so much money over the years, and now Paul W. puts it on from WJR. And, St. Patrick's uh, Day yeah, saying right. and all the other things they did around Detroit. And I just found a, a great big flag, because uh, we were big supporters of the PAL tournament, a picture of me with Night Train Lane and, okay. and J.P. giving money years. to that. And, uh, now, did you know that piece of trivia as a, as a chemistry student, or I, later on... I pieced it together, and, uh -huh. and I think JP did mention something okay. about it, and it, it you know, light went off. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I was like, well, I kind of knew that you know, JP, Joseph Priestley, right. I thought that's who it was, and then I, I looked it up. That's a really interesting story. They had twin boys. Okay. You know, uh, Judy and, and yeah. JP. And okay. uh, I credit JP and uh, and Great Lakes Fork Publication, well, at the time Michigan Runner, for putting us on the map with running because JP was just a fantastic supporter. And so was WJR, the manager, way back in the 70s. It was a guy named Jim Long. And something that was really unheard of, they actually broadcast from the starting line of the Emily Detroit run. But they were, yeah. and that's where I had gone up to promote the run before I even had a permit when the police chief <laughs> of Detroit, Jim Bannon, uh, had a car waiting for me when I got back to the store. I think I told you that story. Yes, it took me well, up to the police station and said, you can't have a run in the streets of Detroit. You need to go to Belle Isle. And we finally know, convinced them. Didn't know how to make of it. I think it's yeah. a run in the streets. Like, Nobody had ever done it before. Yeah. But but I really credit, uh, you know, if, as I say that, we went up to WJR and we were promoted and the JP was supportive yeah. and everything. But yeah. for years they were supportive with everything that yeah. I've done. And, and uh, Warren Pierce and Paul W. I've known for years yes. uh, when he was with WWJ and worked with Sue Carter and then he was in New York and uh -huh. so I, I just feel real privileged and grateful for all that good time just like I do with you guys from Great Lakes Sports Publication all your support and Carter I love the way you come up with you just showed me a picture of someone that runs in an Emily and Pooh and Detroit 2 t-shirt yeah. from the early 80s and you yeah. said that's the only t-shirt she wears yeah well for running she you know, she keeps that special shirt for races yeah well, she didn't run that many races I guess but she you know wears it Every race I've seen this lady at, she wears that shirt. shirt and and I on say, the back of it, it says, say nice things about Detroit, yep. family and food. But I have that shirt. I have, I have almost every race shirt no I've kidding. run. And yours was the first race, June of 1978, right after I graduated high school. Maybe I didn't even graduate yet. It was like within days of my graduation uh -huh. is when I discovered running for its own sake. Yeah. And you were responsible for that. Oh, so, well, it's, so. it's great that we're all spending a little more time together each time I come to 
Detroit. I enjoy it, and it's a real pleasure yes. to, to watch you watch you guys work. You guys, it's amazing what you've done in the world of golf and running. Thank you. With Great Lakes Sports Publication. So one more hug. Thank you. That's <laughs> Carter Sherline with Great Lakes Sports Publication, and a gratitude to uh, Art and Jenny McCafferty. It was nice to see Phyllis Barone here today. Does Phyllis still have her magazine? Um. She's doing stuff for us. Yeah, I see some of her interviews. Great. Okay, great. What a a team you've got. And Jack Berry. Can't can't forget about Jack Berry. 50 years with the Detroit News. His dad was the traveling secretary for the Detroit Tigers back in the 40s. Yes, I knew that. I love that story, yeah. We talked about that. Our trip up north, we had a lot of time to talk about... The, this kind of thing, history. And yeah, he's got a lot of stories. I love yeah. talking to him. With, so. Without driving for nine hours, Jack and I had to keep ourselves <laughs> <laughs> So it's the Emily TKL Show, ESPNHawaii.com. We're just kind of wrapping up the, the, the time we've been out here at the uh, 116th U.S. Amateur, the USGA U.S. Amateur Championship at, at Oakland Hills, at Bloomfield Hills, just outside of our hometown of Detroit. Of course, they, they, it, this is a wonderful venue. They've held so many tournaments, probably more major events in any any club in the country maybe you know but of recent years was uh what 2004 was the Ryder cup 2002 was the u.s amateur when ricky barnes won and 2008 was the pga championship and that was uh, i can't remember who won that one but i know that uh parker mclaughlin from the from hawaii uh, had won the reno tahoe on the toha Tahoe event the week before, and, or a couple of days before, and he ended up here playing in the PGA Championship, so that was fun to give him support. Okay, Carter Sherline, thank you for those stories. They're great. Okay, aloha. Lake Sports Publications and uh, the Michigan Runner and the Michigan Golfer does a, does a great job uh, covering events and has for many, many years. So for me, it was uh, pretty special to be out here to Oakland Hills, see a lot of, a lot of Detroiters and people that run in the race, come in the store, reminisce of when I played some tournaments out here as a kid and then as in women's district. And uh, just, a, just a privilege to have golf as part of my growing up and continued part of my life. And it's a privilege to be able to do the show on ESPNHawaii.com. This is Michael Gates. I'm just leaving the 116th uh, U.S. Amateur Championship. It's the Emily T. Gale Show, ESPNHawaii.com. And he still has a smile on his face. How old are you? 14. 14. Boy, I have a feeling you've been working all week, but you're still smiling like yeah. you just had a one of those weeks that you just will never forget. Right. So yeah. tell me tell me a little bit about it. You know, what have you been doing all week? So it was great. I, I come here every day, get my punch card, sign up here, talk to my uh, boss, tell him I'm here. Okay. And then I would... Man the station over here. I cleaned the tables, helped out with the chairs, did all that, and then I would help the first tee with anything they needed. And what this section over here was what, like a hospitality section? So any of the concessions that were okay. sold, that they okay. were eaten here. Beautiful setup, huh? Have you yeah. ever been to an event here? Are you a member yes, at Oakland I have. Hills? So I'm, a, or? I'm a caddy. You're a caddy here. Yeah, I've oh been wow. Caddy here two years. Okay, so does, does Oakland? Everybody needs has to take a caddy here. Um, do they have not cards exactly. too? They, they do have cards. They, yes. So that's an option. So it's an option. Okay. Yes. And uh, good for you for yeah. doing caddy. Do they have the Evans Scholarship yes, Program? They do. They do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they've brought that back over right, the years. Yeah. Okay, I grew up uh, playing with caddies, and I, I love it. Yeah. So tell right. me a little bit about. Uh, so the caddy master gave you an opportunity to to work this week doing this. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Some of the other caddies did the same things. Yep. And what did you learn this week? I learned that 
hard work pays off, especially in golf. Okay, what's your name again? Michael Gates. Michael Gates, okay. And are you a golfer yourself? Uh, occasionally. Okay, you like it? You like yes. the game? How did you happen to start caddying out here at Oakland Hills? Um, did you realize what a what what a history this golf course has with all the events that have been here, the Ryder Cup and U.S. Opens, and it goes back many, many years? Right, so I golfed here once with a friend, and then I loved it here. I loved the course, and I wanted to learn more about it. And then I figured out that one of my friends was going to be a caddy here. Uh-huh. So I um, I looked more into that and eventually found it available for me to be a caddy. And how many loops do you take on a weekend? So every weekend I'll get two to three loops. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And then, so last year I ended up getting... 65 overall, and this year I'm at 20 so far. It mean, What does that mean now? Uh, 20 loops is around. Oh, okay. So oh, that's I, what, so you've yeah. done 20 so far this, yes, su- this summer? Yes, 65 okay. last year, yes. And how many caddies do they have here, um, roughly? 300. No way. Yeah. Wow. So there's that, there's that much play on the yeah. weekends oh, and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. And where is your caddy area? Where do you get? So we'll go right over there and sit in the benches until our boss will come over and say, "Towel up, your golfer will be so." Okay. And okay. And do people still do uh, uh, double double loops? Yeah. Oh yeah. Really? You can either do okay. two a day, or you can carry two bags, okay. or you can take a cart as well. So we're talking to Michael about what you did. Are you in the caddy program also here? Yeah. Okay. What's your name? Ashish. Come on up and talk to us a little bit. <laughs> what is it? Ashish. Ashish. So, so tell, tell me about your week out here. Did you do the same thing that Michael did? You kind of bust the tables and yes, make sure it was always picked up and mm-hmm. the stuff didn't stay there and then you go right. clean up, but you keep it picked up? Yep. Yes, I okay. did. Okay. Yeah. And there's and you're you're part of the caddy, caddy team too, huh? Yep. And what's your name? Oh, I'm Aiden. Aiden. Okay, this is Aiden. So all the caddy and here comes somebody we else. And what's what's really wonderful is you guys are all still enthusiastic as a, as you must have really worked hard all week, huh? Yeah. 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 Well, I really, you know, hats off to you because everybody did a great job and you were part of that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah great. Thank and what's your name? Orza. Orza. Yes. Okay. And uh, all of you learning to play the game of golf yeah. or yeah. trying oh, yeah. to do it? Okay. Do they let you play on Mondays out here? Yes, they do. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, good. I'm I'm happy for you that you're yeah, in the caddy program great. and the Evans Scholarship Program is back and yeah I, when I was growing up I used to play tournaments out here in Junior District and the Women's District and oh, really? it's great I live in Hawaii now but I came back for the nice. tournament and uh, it's it's really nice to see cool. you guys yeah, it's it's great so thanks for taking a moment yeah, to no talk problem. with me okay it's the Emily T Gale Show ESPNHawaii.com and these guys uh, as I say they still got smiles on their face and they've been working for a whole week real hard okay thank you well I think that. Talking with Michael Gates and his buddies, uh, the caddies, was really kind of a highlight for leaving the United States Golf Association, U.S. Amateur. It's uh, That's what it's all about. I grew up playing junior golf. I worked at a country club around caddies, caddy masters, the Evans Scholars, which sent kids to schools, colleges. It was it was uh, absolved for many years and great to see it back again and the whole th- whole concept of caddies at golf courses as carts became part of the the golf culture and golf courses were made where you long distances between green to tee and carts were necessary it's the revenue that drove that i kind of grew up in that era and working within the golf business i was the first female ever work in a golf shop in michigan that was about 1960 i think <clears throat> So a lot of a lot of memories for me. Um, some acknowledgments to Pete Kowalski with the United States Golf Association running the media room, and Colleen and everybody in the room, and uh, Courtney. I think it was also 
so hospitable and friendly, and all the volunteers at Oakland Hills met so many people, had some wonderful conversations, and of course my good friends Paul Forte and Nancy Clavel Forte, members at Oakland Hills, and they come here to Hawaii couple months every year, and they're so supportive of the uh, uh, charity events that support the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association, and one particular one up at uh, Nanea, where the Champions Tour players who play in the Mitsubishi Electric Championship participate, and I've been a big uh, supporter of that event and helped uh, Mary B. Porter King and Jim Saunders up at Nanea, Mary B., the founder of Hawaii State Junior Golf Association, I think, get it on the map. And uh, the Detroit gang, I call them Detroit Sunset Ohana. Uh, they're from different parts of the country, but a lot of them from Detroit have been very supportive of and generous at these events. So it was fun to spend some time with Paul and Nancy out at their home and get out on the boat and a uh, nice invitation to play some golf, which I declined because there was a lot going on. But loved being out at Oakland Hills, just great memories there of uh, Mike Suchuk days and Junior District days. And happy to see John Otov, who's a product of the Hawaii State Junior Golf Association. And he was tied for, I think, fifth or sixth in the qualifying. Started off with 312 players. And, of course, those 312 players were gleaned from thousands across the country that had to qualify to play in it. I was sorry that um, Fred Funk's son, Taylor, Gosh, he was one of the top five in the first day of qualifying, and he ended up in a playoff with, I can't, like 20, maybe it was eight players or something for one spot or 20 players, but he didn't, he'd lost in the playoff. But Taylor Funk, uh, just a, a wonderful gentleman. I got a chance to play with him before, when he was still in high school. <laughs> Fred's over here from the Mitsubishi, and I played with Taylor in the um, the charity event I was just referring to. Uh, so lots of nice things in that regard. I mean, all those players playing in the U.S. Amateur, many of them coming up through junior golf, whatever age they are, junior golf programs all across the country uh, doing wonderful things and always did. I'm a product of a junior golf program. And uh, nice to see um, Vartan Kapilian. Oh, my goodness, what a beautiful book he – when I saw him, uh, a longtime writer with the, the golf writer and president of the Golf Writers Association, a hockey writer when I was in – in Michigan and Detroit, and uh, but longtime golf writer, and and over the years, uh, he, when I saw him walked in the media room, he said, "Check out my book in the in the pro shop of the Oakland Hills." So I went in, and beautiful t- coffee table book called "The Monster: A Hundred Years of Golf and Glory," one of the most handsome coffee table books I've seen. And I asked him, "How you know where did you get all that copy?" He said he had been researching it for a few years leading up to this, or just getting prepared to do the book. So uh, Vartan Capellian will be fun to talk with him and catch up with his years of many years and uh, storied career in the world of golf. And I love seeing Art McCafferty and uh, Jenny McCafferty and Carter Sherline. Um, and I miss Jack Berry, who for 50 years wrote for Detroit News, was a big supporter of mine when I was a golfer many years ago. And everything ran in my Emily Detroit runs, and he's doing a lot of work with uh, Michigan Golfer, but Jack, of course, in the Hall of Fame in Michigan. And but they put put together a film, hundred years of the women's state amateur, the celebration. Janita Jacobs, who's a longtime contributor to so much in golf in Michigan and elsewhere, I had a chance back and forth. She's always so thoughtful about sending stories she sees regarding Emily. And the recent one was that I'm going to be the Grand Marshal for the Tour de Trois in Detroit. A, a very um, uh, celebrated uh, ride through the streets of Detroit in September. But anyway, Janina emceed the event, the 100 years anniversary, but the beautiful video that 
that Michigan uh, Golfer or Great Lakes Publication put together, and I was so happy to see it because so many people that I grew up playing with, Joyce Kazmierski, who played on the LPGA, and and Bonnie Lauer, we all played a lot of junior district golf together, and uh, just I love being back in touch with so many of these people. And um, when I was talking with Stuart Luck, or I say I, we were, there's a group of people all sticking our microphones in the conversation. And the one who kind of started it was a gentleman named uh, Jeff Babineau. I didn't know who he was, but after the conversation, I introduced myself and he said, Jeff Babineau, and I've read his columns a lot. And then I just realized the other day that he's now the president of the Golf Writers Association of America. So Jack Berry was president for years, and then Barton Capillion and, and Jeff, I didn't and is now president. So uh, Michiganders, you know, leading the parade and contributing and giving back in many ways. And uh, uh, a lot of a lot of credit to Melanie, who sends out the newsletters, the secretary of uh, the Hauser of the Golf Writers Association of America. So it's wonderful to be around the sport. I'm so glad I grew up as a junior, not only playing the sport, but working in the sport. As I mentioned, one of the first women, girls I was then, to work in a golf shop in Michigan. And my how things have changed not just working in golf shops but playing sports and and uh for for girls and women and it's wonderful to see and i really enjoy doing my storytelling on the emily t gale show here on espn hawaii.com and love this different twists and turns it takes and where it's leading and who i hear from and and very special opportunity that to to be part of uh, espn radio and uh, ESPNHawaii.com. So I'm very grateful and love being able to have my my foot in both communities, Detroit and Hawaii, the wonderful events that we can celebrate and encourage. Of course, when I'm in Detroit, everybody tells me about coming to Hawaii, and and I I get now I'm starting to get stories about people from Hawaii who have been in Detroit. So that's pretty that's really fun. I'm enjoying that a lot. And um, so thanks, everyone, for listening to the Emily T. Gale Show here on ESPNHawaii.com.